When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed universal heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And Arizona football's winning streak has come to an end. <laughs> it ended at 1. Arizona fell to Utah 38-29 in a game that, I'll tell you, Brett, it almost felt like the best game Arizona's played all season. Like, they looked better in the loss to Utah than they did in the win over Cal. Yeah, I was going to say the, the winning streak ends at 1, but the moral victory streak continues. I don't believe in moral victories, but I feel like if there was one, um, in in a what we're now one and nine uh, season, um, the 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 team is looking consistently improved week in and week out, which makes you feel a little bit better about things against a pretty darn good Utah team. Yeah, Arizona was what twenty five point underdogs in this game, and they were coming off the win over Cal, but it was like okay, we all know what the deal was with Cal. We also know that Arizona only won that game ten to three. It's not like Arizona dominated the Golden Bears last week. But Utah's a different animal. Utah comes in, the Pac-12 South favorite. Like, the division is theirs to lose at this point. Their magic number is now one after beating Arizona. One, one win of Utah or one ASU loss. Utah's a Pac-12 South champs. But they've been really good, especially. And they're also just a bad match for Arizona. They've had Arizona's number recently, which, I mean, kind of a lot of, most of the Pac-12 had Arizona's number recently. But it was not an expected Arizona to win this game, and most people, myself included, didn't expect it to be any, even be close. And it was. Utah, Arizona had leads in this game multiple times, 14-7, 17-14, and eventually, sure, the Utes wore them down and the better team won this game. But, yeah, I don't know a single Arizona fan who watched that game and left there thinking, oh, no, that was bad. I was like, yeah, okay, that, that's fine. That's a good football game. Two teams played well, and the better team won. That's how it should work. Yeah, I mean... If you, if you give people truth serum, even the, the biggest Arizona Homer fans, uh, you know, I don't know if we're the biggest Homers, but we're big Arizona fans, would have said that that kind of game was the realistic best case scenario outcome where they showed uh, a lot. I think you and I talked before the game that I, you know, being being the optimistic Homer that I am, I was cautiously optimistic. I think they would perform better than most expected. And they they did for the better part of the game, but ultimately the the, the disparity there of the of the, where the two programs are at kind of won out. Um, but again, it makes you feel better about you know uh, Will Plummer you know only nineteen of thirty four two hundred twenty three yards but fifty yards running including a touchdown uh, uh, passing and running didn't, didn't put the ball, ball in over. danger at yeah, all. You know, you're you're seeing consistent progress uh, where. I mean, I was talking to a friend earlier today, and I said, Arizona, I can confidently say, is the best one in nine team in college football. And I think that's fair. <laughs> they are right now. Like, they weren't the best 0 and 4 team, 0 and 5, 0 and 6, whatever it was. You know? oh, no, they were, they were definitely the worst. <laughs> but certainly, lately, they're playing better. And like, to beat Utah, they would have needed Utah to play a bad game. Like, even Arizona at their best this season is not good enough to beat Utah unless Utah has makes mistakes. And they didn't. Utah, they had the block punt, which was. Again, Arizona now has blocked two punts over the last few weeks, and they've lost both of those games. This one, they returned for the touchdown, got them back into the game, but that was the only blemish on Utah's record the entire game. They didn't turn the ball over. They were able to run the ball when they needed to run the ball. Cameron Rising made the throws when he needed to make the throws, and they were just, they were always, and we were watching the game. We watched the first three quarters together. It's like, yeah, like Arizona's hanging in there, but I don't think either one of us ever felt Arizona was going to win the game. And that's not an indictment of Jed Fish or that staff or anything that the players did. It was just a matter of, Utah was playing a clean football game, and Arizona was playing 
for them, a very clean football game, too. And at each of their best, Utah's a better team. I don't want to say Utah's at their best in this game, but they certainly weren't bad enough for Arizona to close that gap enough. But yet, the Cats fought back in this game. Like They were down. They had chances to do what we expected for the last few weeks. They've shown that fight. And they got the block punt and the two-point conversion, that didn't go well. Like, from what they were saying, like Jed Fish, they called a play that was based on the defense Utah normally runs in those situations. Utah ran a completely different defense. And like, hey, that's great coaching on Utah's part too. You know, you don't – like that's just a good staff and Arizona staff is learning. But no, I, it's hard to be upset about that game. Arizona fought hard. They played well. And it took another step forward. Whereas earlier in the season, when they took a step forward against BYU, and they came and took a, t- took a step back against San Diego State. Then they lost to NAU. That was a step back. Then they came and like, took a step forward against Oregon with McLeod. And then all those things happened. They're continually taking steps forward. And, yeah, they won the Cal game, but they played better in this one. Yeah, I, I think, the, you know, the, the, the disparity between Utah and Arizona, I think, was best personified by I think Utah's first drive and one of their I, I forget which drive it was late where they just took the ball and systematic systematically kind of ran it down Arizona's throats mm-hmm. for a long sustained drive and that's what the better more talented you know more experienced team should do to the Arizona Wildcats right now which are you know went from um, incredible buffoonery and losing to NAU to now plucky upstart uh, team that is bought in and they're you know, Jed Fish said when the season started, or before the season started, he wanted Arizona to be a tough out. Um, and you have a very physical Utah team where a lot of, of commentators and, and fans on the on the Twitter machine were saying that, hey, Arizona matched Utah physically, even when they're, you know, undersized, relatively speaking, or lacking experience. Um, you know, it's it's a sign of progress. I. You know, I don't believe in moral victories, but I think if there, if I did, this would be one of them. Well, and it's not, and that's, no one should be claiming victory, but for Arizona fans, and now there's two games left in this season, of course, if they win the last one, everybody's going to feel really good about things. But now all of a sudden, they go at Washington State and then at ASU, and there's more of a sense that they're maybe not going to win, but they can compete. Five weeks ago, that wasn't the case. You know, six, seven weeks ago, that wasn't the case, and that's what this was about. Like, has Arizona gotten better? It sure looks like it. It really does. It looks like Jed Fish and the coaching staff have gotten better. They've gotten a better handle on their team, what works, what doesn't. Will Plummer's progress. Like, again, I'm still not sold on him as being the starter next season or being anything more than a solid backup, but he's gotten better with the experience, with the reps out there. He's making good decisions. He's still not accurate. He doesn't have a cannon for an arm. There's nothing he does like really well, but he's playing within himself, and then there's an offense designed to get him go and get him comfortable. Then you have people like Dorian Singer who's carving out a role. He's been very, very good. Like The running game wasn't there against Utah, but that's Utah just being a physical defensive line against Arizona's offensive line. It's not good, but that's, that's the talent difference. But for what Arizona has to work with, they're doing pretty, pretty well. And, like, yeah, they might finish this season, what are they, what, now, 1-9? and nine? They might finish at 1-11, and 11, but if they play like they did, well, if they play like they did against Utah, they would have beat Washington, they would have beat NAU, they probably would have beat Colorado, they would have beat UCLA. Like, there were winnable games there, but that's also just the growth of this team, right? You want this team to be yeah. better in Week 10 than they were in Week 1. That was the goal, and they are. So does that mean they could steal one of these last two, both of them? Yeah, it, it does. It, like, there's a chance if they play like they did against Utah, but it's just it's nice to have seen this. It's nice to have seen that progress because... There is no moral victory. No one's raising any banners. It doesn't help you in the standings to compete against Utah. But absolutely for where this program was and where it's supposed to be heading, any sense of moving forward is a good thing, and they're moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting last couple weeks. Um, Fascinating matchups on the road in cold, rainy Pullman, uh, and then back in Tempe for the Territorial Cup for a day game where ASU was struggling and uh, Utah almost won the Pac-12 South this past weekend until mm-hmm. Washington Washington to the hell out of that game at the end. Yeah. Um you know it's I think if you had talked to people uh you know a month or two ago um you know pretty smart people that know more about college football than you and I would have probably never thought there was even a chance for Arizona in the Territorial Cup and now I think a lot more people are are seeing the trend lines uh, and that, I'm not going to say that Arizona should or could or would be favored, but no, they won't be. The last the, the last couple of games get a little bit more interesting. You have uh, Washington State on the road. You know, we'll, 
we'll see. Last time I uh, I will be at that <laughs> game, Adam, because I am a uh, masochist and a glutton for freezing cold punishment. Yeah, it seems like time, a delightful experience. I mean, the last time I went to a game there for Arizona, I believe, was were we down by 50 at halftime, and it was like 12 degrees? Well, I was like, what was the lower number, Arizona's point total or the temperature at oh, kickoff? Definitely Arizona's point total. but <laughs> <laughs> It was really damn cold. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, but, you know, th- they're a team that has an interim head coach that has looked, you know, speaking of kind of a plucky upstart team, mm-hmm. you know, they've they, they've looked competitive. You know, how that translates in a cold, rainy environment, um, I don't know. You know, Arizona for a, uh, a team from the desert hasn't exactly, you know, made its big plays on big, deep passing, passing plays. Um, well, and the running game expect. hasn't been great either, though. It's not like they were able to run the ball against Utah. I right. know Jed Fish was asking his press conference, and he's like, what about if it rains? He's like, well, if it rains, it rains. That's what we tell them. Like, it's just nothing you can do about it. Granted, most players, football players will tell you wind is the bigger issue than the rain, other than the fact that your grip and you have to have the right cleats out there and everything. And obviously, Washington State's more used to playing in elements than Arizona is. But like, Arizona's style of play, that more shorter passing game and trying to keep it the running game the way they do, it doesn't think it should be to- terribly impacted other than, like, can they hold on the ball? You know, can Stanley Berryhill, who has been a yards-after-catch monster, can he make those cuts and slip those tackles when the weather's like that? And I would imagine if the weather report, they know what it's supposed to look like, and they'll prepare as best they can. And then they get out there. Like, you know, Brett, you've been up there quite a bit. When they play Wazoo, like, it's bad in a hurry. Like, they don't even compete in that game. It's like, geez, when it's already, like, 20 degrees out and you're losing by 30 at halftime, it's probably a different vibe there. But if this team, if they can compete, like they have, and that's what Judd Fish said after the Utah game, that he said that that locker room was more upset than they'd been all season because, not that they thought they could win, but they thought they should have won that game. And confidence can go a long way. Like, yeah, they beat Cal, and it was a decimated Cal team with the COVID stuff. They beat them, and it wasn't pretty. But they had come close to winning games before that one. Really close to winning some games before that one. And once they finally got over that hump and they won a football game, now they're like, oh yeah, we can do this. And they felt like they should have beat Utah. And I don't think they should have beat Utah, but they certainly had a chance to. They were in that football game, and if they made a couple more plays, got a couple more stops, they could have beat Utah. And if that's the team that they have going forward for their last two games of the season, and of course building is, we'll see what they lose. A lot of guys walked on senior day against Utah, but it just makes you feel, yeah, it's, it's nice to feel confident over these last two weeks. That Not that Arizona's going to win, but they're going to have a chance to be in these games, and they're going to compete. Like That's a big step, and it's, it's imaginary. It's not tangible. But it's certainly a feeling that you have, I have, and I think the entire Arizona fan base has, and that those players seem to have, that they can go up there and play anyone and win those games. Well, you know, we talked about how Arizona played pretty close to as well as they could reasonably play against Utah, and they probably did, and Utah played an average Utah game. For Arizona to win that game, they needed to play, Arizona needed to play well, and Utah... Like out of Utah, their minds, and Utah have a bad game. And Utah needed, Utah needed to beat themselves a time or two, right? Um, that's just that's just the, the talent disparity, the, the physical, you know, development of the players disparity. Mm-hmm. Washington State, if Arizona plays well, and Washington State plays their average game, I think Arizona can win that game. Um... You know, when weird things can happen, uh, you said that the, the, the coaches are paying attention and monitoring the, the weather to adjust their game plan accordingly, as am I. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but uh, it's I don't I don't know if it's 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 one more week and another, um, you know, another piece of evidence towards the notion that this current roster one and nine, you know, record thrown out the window. They believe in what Jed Fish is selling them. And if you believe that and maybe in more more so in college football than any other sport, confidence and belief in what you can achieve really translates to to, to the, the on on field or on court outcome. Maybe yeah. more than any sport. Um, especially if it's if it's cold and rainy and you guys say, Hey, we're gonna go win this game you know, it's, it, it, they can, they can materialize that as long as, you know, some things don't go unexpectedly awry. Like, Oh, I don't know. Uh, Will Plummer 
rips his shoulder again. Why, why would you say that? But it's like it's the the thread that they're hanging on with this. New, it's like when Jordan McLeod stepped up, like, oh, this guy's pretty good, and then he gets hurt in his first start with the team. Like, oh, geez, like that's how tenuous this can be. But one thing, like to your point too, the confidence, it's cliche, but they really do seem to be treating every game as they're zero and zero. Like they're not a one and nine team going against Washington State because if you felt that way then you don't have a chance against Utah. If you're a 1-8 and eight team going to that game, yeah, you won a game, but you have no chance against Utah, right? You're terrible. You can't beat the Utes. And they thought they could have, and they thought they should have. So they go into this game against Washington State, and I guess, what was the line? Two touchdowns, I think, was 14 was the opening line for Washington State. And that's, <laughs> that's a decent Washington State team at home, and they're only two touchdown favorites. That shows you how close people think this will be. But... Like they're a solid team. Delora's a solid quarterback, has a little experience. Of course, Max Borgie, the running back, he worries me because I feel like I've seen him just run all over Arizona a time or two. Like they're a better team, Washington State, than Arizona, and they're at home, and they're going to have a weather game that probably favors them. But if Arizona goes out there just with this whole thing that they just want to prove, hey, they, they know what they're doing, they want to finish the season strong and keep building off what they've done the last few weeks, then, yeah, they should be in this game. And if they compete in this game, then they have the extra day to rest for the Territorial Cup game against ASU the following week Saturday after Thanksgiving. Like, it's just, by the end of last season, I mean, granted, it was a really short season. By the end of last season, it was just like, oh, geez. You know, you're just almost waiting for it to end to a large degree. We knew Kevin someone was going to get fired. It's just, can they be better? I think they, what, had a chance against UCLA, and then Grinnell got hurt. Then the Colorado game that Plummer started, and they were in that game for a little while, and it's like, okay. And then, of course, the ASU game. This doesn't feel that way, in part because this coaching staff isn't going anywhere, but also because they do seem to be getting better. And because of that, there's a confidence that, like you said, you think they can compete against Washington State, You've never seen them compete in Washington State. <laughs> and yet you think it can happen, and it's not the most ridiculous thing. It's still a two-touchdown spread, but it's not ridiculous that if Arizona continues on the trajectory they've been on, especially the last month or so, then they can compete against Washington State. And if they compete against Washington State, then you'll feel like they can compete against ASU too the next week. Well, I'll put it this way. A team that has given up on its coach and or has no confidence rolls into that home game against Utah with a 24-point spread and loses by 38 or more. Yeah. Instead, they instead they were within nine, right? And they were competitive pretty much the whole the whole darn game. Um, you know, I, I think that's going to translate, and maybe it's even amplified in in poor weather conditions um, because that's where those kind of that kind of belief and grit matters even more than if it was 70 degrees sunny with no uh with no breeze um so i'm 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 actually really curious to see how it goes i think it's gonna the game is gonna largely depend on the the health and success of arizona's offensive line being able to open some holes in the running game in my Mm -hmm. opinion keeping will Plummer, you know as clean in a pocket as he can be and more importantly healthy um because I, you know, I think I think Arizona's defensive line has repeatedly stepped up and showed that they can handle the game in the trenches. I'm not I'm not convinced the offensive line can at this point, due to talent or depth or just sheer health. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's going to be the, the the name of the game, and maybe Jed Fish can you know pull a rabbit out of a hat or time or two with some of these trick plays and you know, score a touchdown in even terrible weather conditions without a great offensive line. No, I, I will say, though, I think, I don't know if I speak for every Arizona fan, but tell me if I'm wrong. Most of us, most Arizona fans are probably thinking, no matter what, get out of this game healthy. And if you have to steal one of these last two games, save it for the next week. <laughs> so, like, if you got one more game where you can just go nuts and everything works, save it for the next week. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise, well, just get out of this game healthy, like play well, and get out of it healthy with a quarterback, you know, and all that. Like, yeah, a scholarship well, quarterback, I should to, say. To speak more as a competitive sob, and probably for what Jed Fish is thinking, and it kind of speaks to the the the, the buy-in approach. If you go into this game not want, you know, trying to play it safe and trying to worry about the territorial cup, Arizona's got no chance. Oh, I, I agree. I know. I, I don't want them thinking that way. And of course, once the game kicks off, I'm gonna be hoping Arizona wins. I'm gonna watch them and be like. Play well, please win the game. But like, just that's how tenuous it is. Like, they have one scholarship quarterback. Like, if Will Plummer, they don't have Will Plummer. Like, no Plummer, no chance. Right? Like, that's how it feels on the defensive line. Like, the team that they have right now, healthy enough, can compete and beat ASU. 
And when you're one in nine, that's the game that matters most now. Yeah. I mean, that's all I'm no, saying. If it's no plumber, it's all bummer for the ASU game. Wow, you were smiling a little bit for that one. You were waiting, huh? I am not that proud of myself on that one, no. <laughs> but I also kind of am. <laughs> um, hey, I can I can rest easy knowing that as long as Arizona does not have a regular deep kickoff kick to them in the first quarter of this game and they don't sit and stare and watch it bounce around for Washington State to recover, it'll already be an improvement over the last time I watched a game in that stadium with them. Yeah, well, so we... We'll see what the weather looks like there. One place where it's all sunny is with Arizona basketball, both men's and women's. They are off to great starts this season. Let's talk about them after the break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we're back. And as we talked about before the break, things are looking pretty good early on for basketball at the University of Arizona. The men's and women's teams are both off to good starts. So let's start with the women, actually, because theirs is more, I guess, I don't want to say the most believable because that's not the case. I think the men's team, we both agree, is going to be pretty good. But the women, they entered the season ranked 22nd in the country. Um, we're recording this on Monday the 15th, and as we're recording, Arizona women are playing a game uh, against Texas, uh, Texas Southern. So we're not going to have that result. I'm going to assume Arizona's going to win that game because Arizona is really good. Moved up to 11th in the polls, coming off a win over number 6 Louisville in overtime where they were the victim of some questionable officiating. But we had P.J. Brown on from the Daily Star last week, and she was talking about how this team is better than people thought they were going to be because they lost Aaron McDonald. And the change is like, oh, they can't be as good as they were. Well, early indications are they're at least as good as they were last season. Yeah, and they, they moved up to 11 and somehow still behind Louisville, who they just beat, which is a fun... I, I see women's rankings are as logical as men's uh, rankings. <laughs> um, no, I think, I think you and I, I think, talked about it. I was like... Boy, we looked pretty smart after our conversation with PJ when we were all, in, all three of us, in consensus that this women's team, you know, maybe from the outside looking in, people just see Ari McDonald is gone. Uh, those on those, the real ones know Adam, and they knew where the depth <laughs> was, and the not just the depth, but the depth. depth drink. Oh, does, it, it does, does it count when it's not football though? I mean, a woman's basketball depth is a is a new level of a new depth for my depth references, if you <laughs> if you will. Um, but boy, they've, you know, they've looked awfully good so far. And the, the players that you want to see step up, I think mainly offensively, because that's where the, the biggest question mark was without Ari McDonald, where sometimes, you know, like PJ talked about, there were times at which Ari McDonald was such a transcendent talent that the, the best offensive play was say, give the ball to Ari and, and watch her go to work. Yeah. Yeah. Get out of her and, way. And, and that's not the best basketball, but it might've been the best outcome for Arizona when Ari McDonald was that good. Um, but it probably wasn't necessarily maximizing all of the other players on this roster, and they would defer to her. And now that they're kind of stepping into that role, there's, you know, I think the rest of the world is suddenly realizing, oh wait, the the Arizona women's Wildcats basketball team has quite a bit of talent remaining uh, slash added through through the transfer portal and the and the recruiting class. Um, I don't think I don't think they're going away. I think it, I think they're here to stay. I think they're going to be top ten come your end Adam. oh yeah oh for sure and even like the, the louisville game uh ben duyaney down the stretch of that game she was taking some of the big shots making plays getting to the bucket and that was that's the biggest question right is when they're in a close game where does the ball go to who can get the shot off who can make that shot who has the confidence what kind of offense are they gonna have and ideally you have multiple players who can do it when you just have one person you end up having a you know 35 foot three pointer shot over three people to try to win a national championship right like that's what happens when you have one person who's your go-to person who yes that's the right play but if you have multiple options you're a lot harder to defend in those situations and you're going to get a better look most of the time doesn't mean it's always going to go in like most players don't make every shot at the buzzer even the best ones in history throughout basketball you think like their percentage is like 40 percent or whatever like it's not easy uh, but you want someone who can get that look and who has the confidence to take that shot. Ben Duyaney so far shows she has that. And we know Pellington has 
has that confidence too. And of course, Kate Reese is off to a good start this season, big season. Sam Thomas, a little bit slower offensively, especially against Louisville. She fouled out of that game, was questionable. But just the amount of options you have, you mentioned the depth, and that's what we talked about last week with PJ too, is that there's so many options that Dia Barnes can throw out there, so many different lineups, which he has size this year. Even last year against Stanford, it was just that they didn't have the size to compete with them. And it looks like, you know, Lauren Ware, she's tall. Kate Reese is a big, like, Copeland, like, they have the size on this team, and they have speed, and they their defense is just going to get better as they get more accustomed to playing with each other with this group. But do they have enough offense without Ari McDonald? The early answer is absolutely they do. Yeah, I mean, Kate Reese had, what, 21 points against Louisville? Um, it's it's funny, they they... You know, Adia Barnes rolled out a number of players in a number of different lineup combinations, kind of, again, made a list, made us and PJ look smart. And really, that means makes PJ look smart because she knows more about uh, the women's team than either oh, yeah. of us do. Um, but but boy, you know, you, you talk about if last year everybody knew the ball was going to be in Ari McDonald's hands with the game on the line. With this current roster, Adia Barnes can throw out a lineup that is, you know, matching up to whatever is on the on the other team's uh, lineup right or mm-hmm. and even if you put five people out there boy I'd, I'd venture to say you could go 12 deep and say yeah i could see why that person would be out there right mm-hmm. like uh is it is it chavez the the the, the transfer, transfer from, from oregon. oregon yeah yeah you know she's a, a you know a, a dead shot from outside like she might not play most of the game and then come in for the last five minutes just to be that outside shooter, right? Mm-hmm. And that, like you can play those matchups. You don't know where the ball is going to go. You don't know who's where the attack is going to come from. And if and if Yaney and Pellington kind of keep showing the confidence and more willingness to take some of the shots, uh, you know, Sam Thomas is going to be Sam Thomas. I think I told you off the air. I was like I described her as the Sean Marion of women's basketball because she just does a little bit of everything. It never gets a play called for her and still fills a statue. But she doesn't complain time. about it. Yeah, well, <laughs> she's Sean Marion without complaining. Fair, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's they're they're a, they're going to be a fun team to watch play, and I I think they're only going to get better as the season goes along, which is why I'm you know, you know I was confident they were underranked previously, and I'm increasingly confident they're going to be you know there for keeps and, and for the rest of the season, the rest in the top ten even with a loaded pack 12, right? Yeah, well, you'd think that they maybe they would struggle early this season and get better as the year goes on because they're replacing such a huge part of what they were last season. Like, their identity has just completely changed. And you have all these players stepping up into new roles, new, more minutes, more shot attempts, just move the ball in their hands more often. You're like, okay, like, the talent is there, but they're going to have to learn. Like, they have to learn to play with each other, they have to learn to fit into those roles. And it's only been, by the time you listen to this, three games. <laughs> and as the time we're recording, two games. And one of those games, though, was just outstanding, right? So it's it's one of those things, like, if they're this good now, like, most teams do get better throughout the course of the season. Arizona's not the, Arizona's not the only team that's going to get better over the course of the year. But it would, it would seem that Arizona would have a lot of room to improve based on those factors, based on how many players are in new roles and are being asked to do different things. And as Adia Barnes trying to fit, tries to figure out what the best lineup, what the best rotations are for this current roster. So let's assume they have that room to grow. If this is their starting point, then, yeah, and it's it'd be unfair to expect what happened last season. Like PJ said, like, you know, they, they think they can do even better. Well, they're, the only thing they can do better is, you know, make one more shot against Stanford and their national champs. Like, there's not a lot of room to go up in that regard. But in a big way, though, them getting back to the tournament, getting back to the second weekend, the third weekend, like, that's, the, that's what you're trying to get to because then firmly entrenches you as a program who's going to be there. And then the recruiting, we've already seen it start to build with Adia Barnes in these recruiting classes. You know, it's just snowballs. Like, oh, yeah, you can win at Arizona. You want to play for Adia Barnes. It's, you're going to play well. You're going to get drafted high in the WNBA. You're going to have a chance to compete for a championship. And it just keeps building and building and building. And then you're there every year. And that's what happens. So, like, this year is not necessarily about winning a championship. Like, it would be great if they did, of course. And they look like they're going to be very much in the conversation to do that. But just being there, being ranked number 11 right now, the year after losing the best player in franchise history, like two games after losing the best player in franchise, uh, franchise in program history, they're ranked number 11. That is not normal for teams like Arizona, for teams that don't belong. So when you can do that, you really didn't. You're not rebuilding. You're reloading. And that's what this season's about, is showing that, yeah, Arizona is here to stay. It's not a surprise. It's not a fluke what they did last season. It really wasn't. We talked about that, too, how, you know, you go from winning the NIT to they would have been a tournament team to then there was a tournament. Look what they did. Like, it wasn't that quick of an ascension. 
But it, for those who make it seem like, yeah, where did this team come from? Like this year is the one that proves that they are here to stay. Yeah, and they, and I mean, beating Louisville early on a neutral court uh, site in Sandy in South Dakota was a pretty significant early test. They were number six at the time. Now they dropped to number ten. Yeah. Also, and that court you, was awful. I know the players didn't no. have to see it, but it was really horrible to look at. You know, also, Louisville's now, uniforms, like the highlighter. I don't understand what they're. Yeah. Anytime your uniform has can be described with the term highlighter in it, it's probably a bad uniform. It wasn't great. Um, you know, and and now. <laughs> The, the schedule for for the the Lady Cats softens a little bit. You know they're playing tonight Texas Southern and Marist, and then there's they've got some interesting matchups coming up with the Paradise Jam with Vanderbilt, DePaul, and Rutgers. Uh, you know, but realistically, uh, after that, then it's UC Riverside, and what basketball team in Arizona would lose to UC Riverside, <laughs> men's or women's? Um, Nicely played. For those, I'm sure if you listen to the show, you know that. ASU's men's team lost to UC Riverside on a ridiculous oh, buzzer beater. That definitely <laughs> happened. But even like when you look at the non-conference and beating Louisville kind of validates that yeah, Arizona is here. But for them it's most the Pac twelve. Like yeah. unlike some other like the Pac twelve was loaded. Where was Arizona where was Arizona picked to finish? Fourth? Fifth? I think fourth and like you couldn't really argue it. Right, and and that's the that's the point. I like, yeah, Arizona's really good. But there's three other teams in the conference who are also really, really good and more proven to be that way. Whereas for Arizona, it was more like a show me you're still good. Those programs you just know are going to be that level. So yeah, winning these non-conference games are good. But fortunately, they're going to have a they're going to have plenty more tests in conference play to just show where they that they. I mean, they're going to be a tournament team. I think yeah. we can all. That's yeah. Two games in again. By the time you listen to this, there's a third game in. We're going to assume they're three and zero. It's a choose your own adventure. If they won. That is how we're talking. No, they're going to be a tournament team. What seeding they get, the fact that they went so far last year will help because it's like, oh, you're already in their minds now. You're not going to be under You might actually be overseeded as long as you're pretty good. Like, oh, yeah, it's Arizona, of course. Like, they're, they're good. But it's just when you get to the Pac-12, and that's like playing Stanford, right? They lost to Stanford three times last year. Yep. Got blown out twice, and then the third game was the championship game where they were really close. Um, so, like, if you can do that, then it's like, okay. Like, you are ready. You are there. But just a really exciting season. I know, like it's it's in our voices. Talking to PJ only just reaffirmed that. Yeah, like, and then watching them play, like they are every bit as good as their now number eleven ranking says they are. And that's that's a top fifteen team right there at number eleven. Like that's a good basketball team that's yeah. in the conversation. So that's all you could ask for right now. The pack boy. Once we get to pack twelve play, that's going to be a gauntlet, though. <laughs> it will be. It will be. And whoever comes out of that, there's a reason why two Pac-12 teams were in the championship game last season. Like, it's a good conference for women's basketball. I mean, between Stanford and Oregon, Arizona, Oregon State, UCLA's a great team. I'm pretty sure they're ranked. I'm pretty sure uh, Washington State and Colorado are also getting votes, if not ranked. Um, You know, that's that's going to if if whoever comes out of there and the, that that conference is going to have earned their very high seating in the in the women's march madness tournament yeah yeah so adia barnes and that team great start we're really excited to see you we'll talk about them every week because they're the best team on campus right now the best program on campus so of course we are excited to see where they go over on the men's side brett they haven't really had to test that the women had against louisville but tommy lloyd his first couple of games with the team like games I counted, have been not not bad. Uh, they beat NAU, of course, that was 81-52, and then they beat UTRGV 104-50. Um, like I said, you can't take much. These are overmatched opponents. The size, the athleticism, like they don't have it. But even when Arizona had that advantage over some of these teams in the past, they rarely beat them by 54. It seemed like they, never, like they weren't dropping triple digits fairly like with regularity. Yeah, the... Um it's two games against significantly inferior opponents, so it's hard to read too much into it, but you get really strong Lute Olsen era vibes out of those two games, both in terms of style of play, the high-scoring offense, and doing what you're supposed to do against inferior opponents, which has not been as common in recent years in men's college basketball. You know, parity is, is much more of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know. I'm I'm trying to tap the brakes, if not pump the brakes, on my excitement because I'd like to see them do it a little bit against somebody that's a little more competitive. I really love what I've seen so far. Dalen Terry 
has looked fantastic. And Lord knows I've been on the Dalen Terry train for a while and knowing that if, how he goes is how this roster is going to go. Oh, and Coloco and, is lead, like just blocking shots like it's his job, which it kind of is. Christian Coloco uh, is going to get a, quad, a, a triple-double, if not a quadruple or quintuple-double before the season is out if he keeps developing at this Don't rate. make a new category for him. He'll have like a septuple-double. <laughs> septuple-double. Say that five times fast. I'm trying to think of what the categories would be, but we could make it happen. Like minutes, um, I mean, field goal percentage, be, at some point it'd be rebounds, be blocks. Like, <laughs> we just start making up categories for him. Like, uh, but uh, is, but that isn't that it? Like you, you don't want to get all excited about what you've seen. In that beating these teams doesn't mean Arizona's really good. This doesn't mean Arizona's back. Doesn't mean the loot days are here. But certain things like Coloco didn't do this before. He looks like he took that step forward. Dale and Terry, like he's doing what you think he would do in this offense if he's doing well, is being that facilitator, being a guy who's doing a little bit of everything. Even Kirk Reese has been shooting the ball okay and playing an adequate point guard for them. And, of course, guys like Justin Kyer has been solid. Pell Larson now is starting to get into a groove now that he's coming back. Like The things that you would expect to see, or at least you would hope to see from them, you are seeing. Like, there's nothing that's been disappointing, I don't think. There's not a guy, I guess Ben Matherin's off to a slightly slow start, but it's hard to be on him when everyone else is doing great. It's like some, not everyone can be scoring at, you know, every time if, they go down the floor. If, if your potential lottery pick is the guy most underperforming and you're smoking people by 50, you're, 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 you, it's hard to nitpick, right? Yeah, it's champagne um, problems. It's, and because you know he's going to be fine. Yeah. So He's, I, he's not going to shoot 20% on threes the rest of the year no like will christian coloco block five shots a game when the games get tougher no i'm sure not but he'll still make an impact on that side of the floor everything else like to bellis like we know what he can do we watched him do it all last season his performance is not a surprise you know justin kyer has experience he's not going to be a great player but he's played at a high level at you know at this level so we know what he can do pell larson same thing kim Aiken jr you know what his role is going to be so there's really nothing you can say well, this is only happening because they're playing bad teams. Like, but it doesn't mean Arizona won't be able to beat better teams. I just don't expect them to win by 50. But otherwise, everything we've seen is, it seems repeatable for these guys based on what the expectations were. Yeah, I mean, I know some, again, I wasn't on this train, but I know some people were concerned and wanted to see it from Kirk Carissa, for example. Can he be the guy at the point guard spot? I think so far the early returns are yes. I think, um, speaking of guys that might get a, Septuple double with weird stats. He might get ten charges drawn in a game before the season <laughs> is out. Um, he's 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 always willing to sacrifice his body and knows how to effectively draw contact. Shall I put it that way? It's been so weird watching him shoot not three pointers. He's taken yeah. four shots that aren't threes this season. Well, what wasn't that? Wasn't that one reverse layup? Uh, they were like, "Oh, that's his first two point basket as an <laughs> Arizona Wildcat," and I'm like, "Wait, that can't be true." Um, but you know he's he's looked like a he's looked like a player. If Ben Matherin plays like the player we expect, Tubelis looks, you know, like he looks like Tubelis. Yeah. yeah. If, if Christian Coloco seems to have taken a big step forward, Kim Aiken has shown probably more than we expected. Pell Larson's still coming back from injury, but you know his he can still keep getting better. And uh, you know the other not to, not to keep bringing it back to my man crush of Dalen Terry, but boy his shot you know they they were the commentators were talking about they worked on changing his shot form and you can see it not just in the form but in his confidence in mm -hmm. his shot where he hit like the three the, uh, the i can't remember if it was the first or second game he's only taken a couple but he looks confident in it and that is you know confidence again is a big thing in college well, basketball as much as it is in football maybe not quite as much but especially on your shot because there were times that last last year when dale and terry was absolutely horrified at the notion of putting up a shot and he needs to at least be a threat out there. Well, and in his his stat line through two games, again, really small sample size. He's averaging seven and a half points, uh, five rebounds. He has twelve assists through those two games, so six assists a game, and two steals. Like he's filling up the stat sheet in a way that his perfect role for this team would be exactly that. You're not relying on him to take ten shots a game, eleven shots a game. He's going to take three, four, maybe five. But he's going to pass the ball. He's going to defend. He's going to rebound. And you need a guy like that when you have people like Ben Matherin who are going to score and Tubelis is going to score. And apparently Coloco is going to score. <laughs> like You need someone to do those little things. And Dale and Terry seems perfect for it. So, yeah, like your man crushes. It's being validated with him. Of course, we're both on the Coloco train. And watching him, just, it's like, wow, he had a real offseason. This is cool. 
But <laughs> another one like Balo, I don't expect Balo to get a ton of it. He only played 12 minutes a game in the first two 24 minutes. But one I'm impressed with is free throw shooting. He's made 12 of 14 free throws. Like he's a guy who's going to get fouled a lot. Hey, that's good free throw shooting. Even Coloco's eight of ten. Like that's, I mean, that's again for Coloco his growth. Like he got better at a thing he could work at and yeah. get better at. But Arizona has that size. I was talking to a friend who is an NAU guy, and it's just like those. Like who has those two seven footers? And Coloco is definitely more skilled than Balo, but Balo doesn't just look like a stiff out there either. And just his sheer size is something that most teams don't have. So. Arizona through two games has been the best version of themselves, pretty much other than Matherin, which again, champagne problems. But yeah, like I, I think you should be excited about this team's ceiling because it's pretty high. But certainly we need to see more than the opponents they've been up on to feel good about them reaching it. Yeah, and you know, Balo is a guy that's always been talked about as for all his potential, but hasn't quite gotten there. Um, and you still see that and you see him as a competent player out there. I, th- I still think he's going to be a guy that maybe averages a higher minutes per game, but doesn't play in as many games because it's going to be entirely dependent on matchups. Yeah. The games he does play and he'll play a lot. Yeah. The games he plays in, he might get 15 or 20 minutes, uh, and, and then might not play for two or three games if it's against, you know, like, I don't, I don't think UCLA picked up a, a, a dominant big man. They, they have a lot of like wing types, like he's mm-hmm. a bad matchup against a UCLA, right? Um, and and also one thing on Dale and Terry, you talked about all those stats where he's averaging, you know, seven and a half points a game, what, six assists a game, how many rebounds he's only averaged 22 minutes a game in these first two games too. If he's, if he starts playing 30 minutes, if you're like, you know, he's got like, (laughs) if you're approaching a triple double in averages in college basketball in 30 minutes a game, you know, it doesn't matter if you're not scoring 20 a game, he can score nine points a game and still be dictating what is happening on the court and his he, he's so lanky and has so much length and athleticism he he can really impact the, the game on defense in terms of getting the ball in transition and then able to handle it and able to get the you know he can be the fuel that makes the Arizona team go mm-hmm. you know through two games it's it's hard to complain I still get a little wary that I'm not sure there is a guy in a grinded out game that they can dump the ball in and get a get a shot in the post from but that's to some extent that's quibbling. Um, there's ways to manufacture points beyond that, and mm-hmm. if you're able to turn your defense into offense, which it seems like, you know, early returns on the Tommy Lloyd um, system is, it's going to be high paced, pressure the ball, you know, try to get in transition, and that plays to this roster's strength. Yeah, and absolutely. Maybe you don't, maybe you don't need the post scorer there. I, I, I still think you're going to run into it a time or two this year where that's going to be a, a, a blind spot, and it'll just you know, it'll be how much Tommy Lloyd and, the, and this roster can and can react to that. But so far, so good. Well, similar to the women's team we were just talking about, you kind of wonder when they need a big shot down the stretch, who do they turn to? Who can get that shot? We don't know that about this Arizona team. Last year was James Akinjo. Uh, the year before that, I guess it was Nico Mannion to agree, and then Josh Green when he missed the free throws against Oregon, if I remember right. But it's so, like they didn't have it. But before then, obviously other teams have had that guy. T.J. McConnell, he won the ball in his hands. Nick Johnson's hands was not a bad idea either. Mark Lyons when they had him. Like the easy answer would be Kirk Creesa. He's got the confidence, and he, we know he can shoot. But just Arizona hasn't had that close game. They haven't had that when they're down one, down two in the final minutes, and they just need to run good quality offense and get a good shot and make that shot. And maybe they'll win every game by 50. That would be great. But assuming they don't, then that's something we're still going to have to learn. And they still have to learn that, too. I'm sure they have late-game offense that they'll run, but it has to happen. We have to see it. We have to see it be successful. Now, their next few games, North Dakota State is on Tuesday. Then they're hosting or they're at, we're playing Wichita State in Las Vegas on Friday. So maybe a decent game. Was that a revenge for, like, 2016, I think, is what it is? Um, when, when half this roster was in... Junior high. Yeah, but it's still still a revenge game for the program, I guess. I don't know. And then after that, on Sunday, they'd play either Michigan or UNLV. So that's the next three games are certainly would seem like a step up from the previous two games, um, depending on who they get, especially in the Michigan or UNLV. But we'll learn a lot more because they're not going to be at home. North Dakota State's at home. The next two are at T-Mobile Arena, which I guess is kind of like a home game for Arizona. It has been at past two in Vegas. But it's going to be what we want to see from this team is how do they fare in these games? And if they play well and win, great. If they play poorly and win, fine. 
And if they lose, then you see what happened, right? Was it just a matter of they not make shots or guys in foul trouble? Did Kirk Kreese have a bad game and they couldn't handle it? You know, it was foul trouble. Who knows what it was? But there's still a lot to learn about this team. Like we were talking about the women before. There's less to learn about them because they have so many players who have proven at least at some capacity, maybe not this exact role. Arizona has a lot of players who haven't done it at this level yet, or they haven't had this role and succeeded at a high enough level to be like, I know they can do that. They have a few guys, but not enough to be that confident. So these next three games, if they play well and win them, all right. Then you really feel like you have something. Yeah, you could see that in the first two games, you know, Terry being maybe the the biggest example of it. There's a lot of youthful exuberance, and you can see that they've Mm -hmm. developed a lot of confidence, which is fantastic. Oh, and they're having fun. They're having fun. They've got confidence. So all, all is right in the world. But, you know, what happens when you have somebody that can land a punch back mm-hmm. and how do they react to that? Um, that's going to, you know, I think that'll probably happen um, in, in this, in these next three games, you know, by the next time we're talking, we'll probably have had at least somebody land some punches on them and we'll see how they react. Cause sometimes with that youthful exuberance, that confidence can, can ebb and flow a little bit. Um, I mean, we saw that with Tubelis last year. Even when he was a great player, he still had his ups and downs, even within a game, right? And I think Terry, hit, you know, has so much confidence now. But confidence is a funny thing where it can it can get it can get erased a little bit real quickly. But the the mentally the mentally tough can build that back and respond to it. And we'll see how they they do that because I think they're going to get tested, if not, you know, in one of these games, maybe even multiple of these games. Well, and eventually, they will get tested no matter what. <laughs> like that's well, going yeah. to happen. So. Obviously, the more they keep winning, though, it's like like they're answering tests even sometimes before we knew it was being administered. Like Their first two games were somewhat of a test, right? What could they do to lesser opponents? And they took it to them. They took it to them really, really badly. And that's a test because, as you mentioned, there are certain teams in the state of Arizona even who had lesser opponents and lost to them. Like... They're no-win games because even if you win by 50, you're just like, yeah, okay, you're supposed to win by like, – you're not supposed to beat anyone by 50. These are still college athletes. These are still college basketball players. So doing that is a good sign, whereas losing, of course, or struggling is a bad sign. But, yeah, the biggest questions we have about this team in terms of trying to judge their ceiling and how far along they really are will be answered better over the next three games than they have been over the previous two. That's all. But yeah, still, nice plus, to see them play well. Plus, who would lose to NAU? Oh. Uh. <laughs> To be fair, in basketball, there's another in-state school who lost to them like a decade ago or 15 years ago. It was on a last-second shot, and it wasn't Arizona. So, <laughs> I mean, if we really want to go there, NAU is giant slayers across sports in the state of Arizona. So, on that happy note, Brett, let's take one more break, and we come back. We sent out a question on the Wildcat Radio AZ Twitter account for a mailbag because we know there's football happening, there's all sorts of basketball, and even baseball's been doing some things. So we're going to answer your questions after the break. All right, we're back. One more segment to go. It's mailbag time. Brett, we asked a question on Twitter. The account is at Wildcat Radio AZ. Of course, we're tweeting game stuff and information, news, some sarcasm every now and then, too. But we asked for a mailbag. We wanted your questions. What have people got for us? Well, Adam, we have a basketball question and a football question. Which one do you want first? Ah, that makes a lot of sense, actually, that it's basketball and football season. Uh, let's let's go football first. All right. The football question. Because we just talked I about mean, basketball. Let's, let's, you know, zigzag I, a little. Granted, I'm presuming this is a football question, but I'm confident it is a football question. It's from at the underscore dude 1121. Which graduating player will the team miss most next season? And then they clearly, uh, after my own heart, asked if it was Trayvon Mason, which <laughs> I've been on the driving the, uh, the the bandwagon for Trayvon Mason for a while. So I'll, 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 that's hinted to my answer, but I'll let you answer, Adam. It, the tough part is because we, I'm not sure. Like, I think is Mason one of the few who absolutely is not allowed to come back? Is that part of it? Because certain guys like Barry Hill would be a loss. He could technically come back. Jalen Harris would be a loss. He could come back. I don't know about Pandy either, but like that's what makes us weird. Like we have these super yeah. seniors, and but of the guys, like the people who walked on senior day before Utah, like yes, Trevon Mason's probably the toughest one to replace. But if Barry Hill left, Harris left, Pandy, like Donovan Lye, even like you'll miss these guys. Like these are some of your best players on a bad team, yes, but like they're better because. Barry Hill's on the team. They're better because Harris has had a good season and Pandy too. So like Mason is the top one. I think he's number one, but there's like one B, one C and one D in my opinion. 
yeah, to give us, I, you know, I Josh McCauley too. Right? Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if I feel confident in saying who absolutely has no eligibility left as a frame of reference. The list of people that walked ranged from redshirt sophomores through redshirt seniors, <laughs> and I'm still not confident uh, as to who can't return. Um, you know, I think I think Josh McCauley is going to be the is is an obvious one, but I think there's also he has readily available replacements that have already been seeing valuable snaps in JT Hand and Josh Baker. Um, you know, I of course of course Trayvon Mason, I've been on the his driving his bandwagon for a while. And he's had I think a great season. He has, and he has NFL type size. Um, I don't know if he is able to come back, but I don't know if he would, even if he could. He has I think he I think he's a guy that could make a roster, might not get drafted. Um, one guy that walked uh, that we hasn't been named uh, would be Jalen Harris. If he, no, I said Jalen Harris. Yeah. Oh, did you say Jalen Harris? Yeah. I missed you saying that. Yeah. If he if he doesn't come back, that would be that would be tough. Um, I'd love to see the Harai, or as you call them, Meese. <laughs> the plural of Harris is Meese. Um, <laughs> you know, having them both line up. You know, Jalen Harris has developed a lot and been uh, and. He's he's been both Arizona one of Arizona's best players and maybe somehow still underappreciated in terms of some of the individual plays that he's shown NFL talent like mm-hmm. running down running backs uh, down running down the line of scrimmage getting held by linemen without it being called. Well, I but that stuff shows it, up on I, film. Like that I believe stuff, we yeah. call that the full Diallo. <laughs> <laughs> but and uh, someone like it's it's hard because like this team has had guys put up just monster seasons. You know, there's not someone who's like, oh, you're going to miss like I had 12 sacks or this one who caught 75 balls for 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. Like, that doesn't happen. But Stanley Berryhill is the most important player in this offense this season. He's been their most consistent player and just has a gun or two on special teams. If he doesn't come back, do they have other receivers? Yes. Like, we've seen what Dorian Singer's done. Uh, Majon Wright will be eligible to play next season. I, Jed Fish mentioned him, too, in the press conference on Monday about how those guys were just crushing it in camp. But Singer is actually allowed to play this season. So they'll have receivers but you don't really replace a guy like Barry Hill because he just does so much and just as an emotional leader for the team. Like, that would be a loss. Jalen Harris, same type of thing. He's been very good. And they have defensive ends. They're recruiting guys. They have, like, another one, what, Sterling Lane, who's committed as of right now still to Arizona, who maybe you can replace Jalen Harris on the field because you have a defensive coordinator and a scheme that's also just better for these guys. But you still miss that guy. Same thing with Anthony Pandy, who's someone underappreciated. He's been solid. And he made a couple plays here and there, too. So... And of course, Josh McCauley being a lineman, you don't think about him, which shows how good he's been. Yeah, I think I think part of the answer to this question is what do you have, and realistically, you need guys that are in house already on the roster because you're not going to count on true freshmen coming in, especially on the lines to replace these guys. Um, and in that sense, you know, what's the biggest drop off? And it's 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 it's. Tie, but for me, between no no disrespect to Stanley Berryhill, but I think he, he, there's more receivers that can step into his role uh, quickly than you can on the offensive line. And I'm not sure. J, I think I like Josh Baker and JT Hand. Are they going to be a big step back potentially, at least when they're still young and learning? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Trayvon Mason and Mo Diallo, though those guys have, you know, we talked earlier in the season how Arizona's defensive line could be a strength, and they have become over the course of the season a strength. Um. And basically, there's a chance that, you know, Jalen Harris, Mo Diallo, Trayvon Mason, all those guys are gone and they're they're at the core of that. But also, you know, Deion Wilson has looked pretty good. Paris Sand, yeah. Paris Sand has looked like a like a hit. Right. And you still haven't seen Reagan Terry necessarily get on the field that much. But, you know, maybe he can get there. Um, Like you're not better without those guys. Those are guys that you're mentioning that could be leaving. They're definitely more proven in this defense. And that's where you wonder, too if there might be some more of a pull to come back because it seems like they've all enjoyed this season. The fact that they're all still playing hard and doing what they're doing. They like this coaching staff, and they're playing better. They're having better seasons under this coaching staff. Now, does someone like Jalen Harris with one more season under Don Brown, if Arizona's better, improve his draft stock? Like He'll be a little bit older entering the NFL than some usually is, but he might have more on tape because he doesn't have that many sacks. right? If he comes back and has seven sacks next season, it's like, okay, like this guy can do this. Uh, Barry Hill probably doesn't have as much to gain coming back. I think he'd just be coming back because he loves playing for U of A. Yeah. Because like his strength as a gunner, like he, he could find his way into a camp, like for sure. Yeah. But he's not going to be a draft pick. Pandy's probably not getting drafted. But like, so what? Do, who can gain the most from coming back? I'm not sure if someone like Barry Hill or Pandy will. Trevon Mason maybe could, 
but also he's an interior defensive lineman. He's not going to get a ton of sacks more often than not for those numbers. So it's like, right. what have you put on film? Anyone who's watched Jalen Harris this season watches the film on him is going to see a guy who's been getting after the quarterback, who's been chasing down running backs in the passing lanes and everything. He's done everything that he's been asked to do really, really well. Um, so does he have anything to gain coming back? I don't know. But that's one thing, too, with how hard this team is still playing and how much they like this coaching staff. You start to think that maybe they could convince some of these guys to come back. Like, what if P.J. Johnson had come back after that first Ugh. year? You know? Like, Ugh. he didn't, and he went to the NFL. He played a little bit. But that's a guy who, like, yeah, he could have stayed, and he would have been really good. He was really good that year when he left. But they could have used him. So, But he left for reasons. I don't think it was because he didn't like the coaches. I'm trying, trying to infer that. But if you can convince some of these guys to stay, to come back, and if they want to go, let them go, have a pro day, wish them luck, and hope they do great. But if they want to come back, you welcome them back with open arms because you're going to be a better team for it. Well, we haven't mentioned the most irreplaceable player that walked uh, last Saturday, walk-on fullback and greatest uniform model ever, Clay Markoff. You can't replace that guy. Oh, and Rourke Freeberg, too, who was a lot of fun last season. Plenty of respect for him. Clay Markoff, he was the he was the mo- the the football player model for the 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 very fire emoji uniforms this past weekend, and he looked great doing it. So I was... I and if, as a fan of the fullback position, I my my heart will try to go on without him on the <laughs> roster next year. <laughs> All right, well, so that's what we think. It's it's a good question from the dude there because there's actually some seniors on this team. You're like, okay, it'd be nice to have them back because Arizona will miss them whether it's their leadership, whether it's just their passion for the program and for playing football, or the fact that they're some of the better players at positions where they don't necessarily have someone lined up to replace them. There are some seniors on this team that will be missed if they decide to move on from Arizona after this season. But, Brett, you said there was a football and you said there was a basketball. That was football. What do we got for basketball? So for basketball, we have from Gary L. Freed at GL Freed. Any thoughts that the NCAA Independent Board could give the U of A a second year of postseason ban? I try not to have those. <laughs> I mean, I guess they could. Like, we don't know. There's this narrative, and it's probably accurate for history. It's like, you don't do the self-imposed ban because it doesn't help you at all. But the IRP is kind of a new thing, too. And I, I'd be lying if I said I had any feel for what the punishment will be. I, I, I just don't know. I mean, trying to predict what will happen with NCAA rulings overlaid with a new thing called the IARP makes it a little more complicated. I think they find, did they finally rule on was Oklahoma state? Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I, part, like, I, I'm on the record that says after Arizona fired Sean Miller, that already le- lessened the sanctions because I think the NCAA just wanted to get Sean Miller. I would think that, but it also took Arizona, what, four years to get rid of him? <laughs> like, it's not like sure, they, sure. they said it was it, without cause. Like, well, I, the other the other thing is they self-sanctioned when, granted they did it before it was in the bag, but they were going to make the postseason. Probably actually. in the pandemic Almost. season. They like, it's like does, it, does that mean anything to the IARP, to whatever decision makers are, do they say, well, Arizona did miss a tournament already because of this. Therefore, we're not going to make them miss another one. Like, I could see a world where they say, yeah, that plus Sean Miller being gone. Now they're like, okay, they've, they've done enough. It's been this much time. They missed the postseason. The coach is gone. Fine. But they can also yeah. say, well, we didn't ask you to do that. That was your decision. And you still had these issues. And we're still going to keep you out of the postseason for another year. Like, it's very possible. Yeah, I think I think where I come down on this, Adam, is I would be surprised if they got another year postseason banned, but I would not be shocked at all if that makes sense. No, more likely it would seem to be like scholarship reductions and yep. maybe some things like in recruiting and all that. But because postseason bans are some of the toughest thing, because like especially in everyone says it's usually affecting players that had nothing to do with it. But I also don't know what you can do to punish programs then other than limit the scholarships they can give out to try to make their team physically worse than it otherwise would be while not penalizing players for who might be good enough to get to a tournament that opportunity like that's probably the most fair and that's probably what's going to happen and I know Tommy Lloyd's been quoted as kind of preparing for that too with how they're recruiting to make sure that if they lose scholarships like they're not going to kick someone off a scholarship the NCAA won't do that but they just won't let them add new ones so they want to make sure they have players who are going to stick around for three four years as they go forward, just in case there's a reduction. Like, that seems to be the most likely punishment, I think, for I the agree. next little bit. But doesn't mean a postseason ban won't be part of it either. 
Well, and not to get extra cynical, and who knows when it comes to the IARP, um, if you're going to go hard against Arizona, there are other programs that, you know, might not be for a few years, but are you going to give two years of postseason ban to Arizona? And then what happens whenever the Zion Duke payment mm-hmm. situation ever gets resolved in, if it ever does, um, or Kansas or some of these other, you know, other programs that are even bigger names in Arizona. There's, there's a fine line between wanting to make an example of a program uh, that is just big enough, but then, you know, if you set up a, a high watermark against Arizona, are they going to be prepared to follow through against the even bigger programs, which there aren't that many, right? And the yeah. cynic in me says that might meter the punishment because, like it or not, there's money factors out there that are going to influence those things. For sure, for sure. So, Gary, we'll find out. I, I think we're all on the same team, hoping that there's no postseason ban. And if that's all, if all it was was the one ban last season, the self-imposed one, if that's the only postseason Arizona is forced to miss because of all this, then that'll be okay. Like, especially now that we're past it. It wasn't fun last year. But, you know, like that would be okay, and it would kind of give credence to the idea that, hey, it kind of helps. But also, according to the NCAA, Arizona did not help them. The investigation, all that, they're going to be really mad and – I know we're all kind of nervous, especially after what happened with Oklahoma State. But, yeah, hopefully it just needs to end. Let's put it that way. Like, I mean, like I, whatever the ruling is going to be, we don't even know when. There's no indication of when that will even happen, when we'll find out. So there's a lot of this still, you know, squirming, twirling here in the wind and flailing around, hoping for this to end in a way that is not crippling to a program that, as we mentioned not long ago, seems to be in really good shape on the Ascension. So, like... We'll, we'll see. But, Gary, thank you for that question as well. We appreciate it. We'll do that every now and then on Wildcat Radio 2.0. We'll send out the mailbag, especially when there's a lot of things to talk about. But we just don't know what to pick, so we want you to do our job for us. And <laughs> like, so, <laughs> The best show prep is no show prep, Adam. That's what I like to say. So, you know, We appreciate you all listening. Of course, we'll be back next week. We'll talk about Arizona's game against Washington State. Well, then also previewing the Territorial Cup game against AAC. We'll bring on a guest to kind of give us some insight into a program that, when six months from now, may not have any wins to their credit in the 2021 season. But we'll get all the details on the Sundays. And, of course, we'll talk about Arizona men's and women's hoops and everything else that happens with Arizona athletics. If it's big, we'll talk about it here. Follow us on the Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ and make sure you subscribe to us on the iTunes and on Spotify. And if you have us on iTunes, leave us a review. Rate us and review as we'll read that review on the air. So once again, thanks for listening. For Brett, I'm Adam. Y'all have a great week. Remember to bear down. Bear down.